Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Phase Zero, episode number 18. It's the Eternals episode. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Brandon Davis. Joined today, Aaron Farina's here. What's going on, guys? Jenna Anderson is in the virtual building. Hey, everybody. And Charlie Ridgely. We allowed him back on the show. (laughs) I'm so grateful. (laughs) Uh, We have not allowed Jim Viscardi back on the show. I see the chat calling for Jim Viscardi's freedom. We're not so much free, Jim. Yeah, he remains behind bars, and we will not be overruling that ruling. I rule. Anyway, <laughs> this is the Eternals episode. We are going to get to the MCU news in the second half of the show. We're also going to do a movie draft, which you all will be voting on to see who has the best movie selection. But we wanted to uh, inform everybody on the Eternals characters. We were talking a lot about them last week. Everybody wanted to know more about them, so we drafted Eternals. Our teams of Eternals, basically, we're doing book reports here. Jenna has Dane Whitman, Xerxes, and Celestials. Aaron has Makari, Fastos, and Sprite. Charlie has Kingo, Gilgamesh, and Ajax. And I have Fina, Icarus, and Druid. We were all burdened with glorious purpose of discovering as much as we can about these characters to deliver to you in about two minutes each. So, prepare to be Eternals experts. Jenna, start us off with our first lesson of the day. Okay, so I'm going to start with Celestials because you kind of can't talk about any of the individual Eternals without talking about the Celestials. Um, So they were created by Jack Kirby, the king of comics. Um, They first appeared in Eternals number one. Um, They are kind of the beings that were first created at the start of the single universe. And then war broke out between them and spawned the Marvel multiverse as we know it. Um, They're canonically between 2,000 feet and 20,000 feet tall, which is kind of wild to think about. Um, And basically different hosts arrive across different time periods and realities and judge whatever like people and humanity that live there roughly every 50 years and kind of they decide if if they pass the test of what like is up to their standards then they're good and if they fail then one eternal name or one celestial name Exitar the exterminator basically just wipes everything bad out of society um and so basically they just play god a lot and that gets them into conflict with the watchers which if you're not familiar with the watchers you will be in a couple months when the what if show comes out because the watchers are going to play a huge role in that so basically the celestials intervene with history and the watchers really don't and so they kind of are like why do you do that and they just have this ideological war all the time it doesn't really go anywhere but they're always just kind of having beef with each other um so the celestials come to earth every so often they come around in the stone age and that's where they kind of create the they they genetically engineer humans to become either the Eternals, who are like the best of their genetically engineered experiments, or the Deviants, which are kind of the bad ones. Um, and legend states that the Celestials can kind of control their armor without 
with willpower and thought. And so no one's actually seen them on the inside, which only makes them more creepy. Um, and they're all telepathically linked and they all just kind of have this weird connection to each other. Um, and so, yeah, they're basically the architects of the Eternals and the Deviants. Um, there's a whole list of just very weird Celestials with the weirdest possible names. And then one yeah. piece, yeah. And then one piece of trivia that I love is that in a more recent comic, um, Domino became a Celestial, like Deadpool's Domino, um, because she got hit with this like gun that could basically create whatever it needed. And so she became a Celestial, which I just find really cool. Um, and then if you don't remember, they have been referenced in the MCU here and there. Um, um, in Guardians One, Collector when they when they're turning in the Infinity Stone is basically playing like a little highlight reel of like here's how the Celestials came up with the Infinity Stones and kind of owned them. Um, and so nowhere, which is where the Collector has his whole base of operations, is the head of a giant Celestial, which is kind mm -hmm. of badass. And then in Guardians Two, um, they kind of changed Ego the Living Planet a little bit and they made him a Celestial. And it's just like Kurt Russell is the humanoid kind of extension of that. And so then that makes Peter Quill half celestial, which is kind of cool. I always wondered if when Peter got uh, erased from existence and his eyes flashed red, if that was just like a overlooked detail for some reason, or if that mm -hmm. was like what happens when a celestial gets wiped from existence. Yeah, I have you know no idea. I mean? But uh, uh, great job. The, the comment section is grading. So go ahead, comment section. Toss your grades to Jennifer, her celestial report. I thought that was great. I feel very informed. Aaron, you have Makari, Fastos, and Sprite. Who are you going with first? Uh, I'll do Makari first. Go Just for it. Keep it in line. Okay, Let's so Makari is a speed god. A character first appeared in Red Raven Comics number one back in 1940. That's timely comics, by the way. But that was revealed to be a retcon later on to having him impersonate the Roman god Mercury in Internals Volume 1, Issue 5 in 1976. So there's a lot of like different comic eras to deal with here. Uh, the son of Verona and Mara, you know, Celestial, the pro that's probably going to get switched in the movie. Um, a proud member of the Eternals, like, technologist guild. So, like, building high-speed vehicles for their civilization. He learned from Plato. He's a charioteer to the per Empire and royalty and was present for some of the biggest events in human history. Not to mention that, like, immersing himself in the world of man. So, it's probably a pretty good bet that we're going to get a lot of regular human character interaction out of Makari, probably, I'd imagine. Um, most of his vendors uh, center around protecting humanity from deviance. Um, so, you know, like Jim or somebody, we, we will discuss at some point here, whenever the movie comes out, there has to be a villain. I imagine that's probably what the, what the villain's going to be. Um, so this uh, other uh, eternal named Master Elo uh, taught Makari how to harness that speed and push past the limits. Faster, Barry. Faster, faster. You gotta push faster. <laughs> um, so they have. So he like is super fast. Like one of the fastest speedsters in the Marvel universe, actually. Weirdly enough. So and bullets can't what, actually kill this speedster. Oh yeah. I was just gonna make a joke about like, man, we're never gonna get to see Quicksilver race though, and that happened uh, in the comics. But maybe uh, somebody else. It, it can still happen some other way. Somebody he, else. He can race fast. Ralph Boner. Yeah. Oh God! <laughs> Could you imagine the audible groan in the theater of Ralph Boners and Eternals? Um, <laughs> so there's a there's also like a special connection to the Dreaming Celestial, hinting towards Jenna's weird thing with all of them having these really out there strange names. Um, and Lauren Ridolph is playing Makari in the movie. She's the yes. first Death in the MCU. 
There we go. Listen, I, if you're Lauren Ridloff, I think is the sole sole reason I think Makari could become my favorite character in Eternals, like by a landslide. I think Lauren is fantastic on The Walking Dead, and I know a lot of people have stopped watching The Walking Dead. She's so good on The Walking Dead, and if she's if she's, I'm sure she's bringing that to Eternals. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. All right, Charlie, uh, everybody in the comments, make sure to uh, to give Aaron a grade. Uh, Jenna, you're getting a lot of A's and A pluses. So, awesome. So good job, Aaron. You're up, you're up for the, uh, the the judgment of our our teachers, I guess, who are grading us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, Charlie, you have Kingo, Gilgamesh, and Ajak. Who are you going with? Uh, I'm going to start with Kingo, even though I'm tempted to go either the other ones. Both Gilgamesh and uh, Ajak are really tied to Makari in a couple stories that Aaron just talked about. Um, we'll and so there. I want to we'll talk about there. them, but Kingo has the least going on, has the least kind of comic <laughs> history of the three. So I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, get that one, I guess, out of the way. Cause it's, it's so much shorter than, than the others. There's so much less happening with Kingo, which I'm kind of disappointed about because Kingo is played by Camille Nanjiani. And I was kind of hoping he'd be like, which he still might be in the movie, one of the core characters. Um, but we don't, uh, we don't know. And in the comics, he's got the least going on, uh, Kingo more than anything, is a warrior. He doesn't have any kind of super special power or ability. He's not a speedster like Makari. He is a, a great warrior. All the Eternals are great warriors, but that's kind of his claim to fame. And uh, he first appeared in 1977 in Turtles number 11 in that original Jack Kirby series. Uh, and when all the Celestials or when all the, um, excuse me, all the Eternals returned to space, you know, after you know, living out on earth, they, they went to their own place. They had the Olympia deal going on. Uh, he stayed behind on earth and he kind of used his power as a warrior and turned it into a Hollywood or a, a Japanese entertainment industry that, you know, film career. He played a lot of samurais, a lot of warriors on, uh, in film on TV and he became a real superstar, uh, in movies. And so when, you know, things kind of came back up to the present, that's what he was doing. And so it ties, you know, when you watch the trailer for the, the little clips for the movie that we saw in the, in the highlight reel that we talked about last week, that camera guy, that was seen in a couple of shots, both of them, he's standing right there with Kingo. And that's key because Kingo's a celebrity. Kingo's, you know, yep. a movie star. Uh, and really like when you go look up Kingo online, unless you're actually going through and reading some of the comics, like he does not have a lot going on. That's one of the only, the only thing people know Kingo for is being a movie star. And so I'm really interested to see how that translates to the film. And if they give him, some kind of bigger role going forward. Cause as it stands now with the history of the Eternals in the comics, he is one of like the lesser characters in terms of how much he has to do and how much history there is. You don't know his origin. You don't really know a lot of his past uh, up until that first appearance in, uh, in Eternals number 11 and then got in the present as a movie star. Right. Yeah. I think it's going to be really because the Kingo in the movie is going to be a Bollywood star. Uh, yeah. Be yeah cool. They're, they're uh, changing a little bit. They're, they're changing a lot of characters in the movie compared to what they were in the comics, which is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and grade Charlie in the comments. Aaron, you got a lot of, a lot of plus signs next to your A's. So good job. Good job. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go with Fina. I have Thena, Icarus, and uh, Druig. I'm going to start with Thena, played by Angelina Jolie in the movie. First appeared in Red Raven Comics number one as Minerva in August 1940. Now, I don't know, like, how true or accurate that is. It, it came from, like, a Marvel wiki, but then appeared in Eternal, Eternals number five uh, in November 1976 as Thena. So I don't know what that Minerva bit is. I need to do more digging on that. Uh, but Thena was born with the name Azora, renamed Thena to reflect the name of Zeus's daughter, Athena. Uh, in Marvel lore, 
the city of Athens was actually named for Athena, not for the Greek Athena, uh, because Athena did so much for the people there. Uh, Athena saw that the Eternals had no need to fight amongst themselves and wanted to unite the group, but also was a big reason why they became divided. Uh, I think we'll see both of those things be true in the movie. She encountered the Deviant Crow in Babylon 2,500 years ago. We saw Babylon in the trailer for Eternals and that sizzle reel we got. Uh, they got in a fight ultimately. Crow let her live and then they started to be in a relationship because that's you know how all healthy relationships start. <laughs> she outed Crow when he invaded New York. She exposed him as a deviant, but ultimately helped more deviants in the future and turned on Icarus when Icarus needed her help. When it was all said and done, Sprite wiped all their memories. She became an employee of Stark Enterprises. Uh, and then we're, you know, jumping thousands of years with these eternal stories. Ultimately, Celestials start raining down on Earth. Thena is among the Eternals who realize uh, that they were created by Celestials as a means to help cultivate humankind. And then there's a story where all the Eternals commit suicide together because they don't want to be the ones ruining the world. Athena's uh, powers are all uh, standard super strength and speed, all that stuff. Uh, super fast healing. She can fly. She's telekinetic. She can manipulate molecules. She's telepathic and she can teleport. I don't know if all of those are coming to the movies. Like a lot of the Eternals can teleport. They don't like to teleport because it takes a lot out of them. It's an uncomfortable thing. And they've described that. So they prefer to just travel because they can do that super fast anyway. Uh, but I don't know how much of those powers are going to come to the MCU. We do know that one power that she's going to have is weapon manifestation, which means she can just make a weapon out of anything like out of thin air. Uh, she can make it appear. And I think we saw that in the trailer when she made that, or that, that sizzle reel, when she made that sword appear. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's Tina's uh, core story. And you're going to, I think as we describe all this, when I was doing my research, I noticed a lot of, uh, a lot of this stuff. You, you could see how it all ties together and you can start to kind of connect dots for what you think is going to happen in the Eternals movie, especially and, with. And it's between, Sorry, I thought you were trailing off. Well, I was just going to say, especially between like Thena and Icarus, who seem to be major yeah. players in this. But go ahead. Um, I do. It's it's interesting, and I kind of I had it, an idea of this before reading a, a lot this this week. There really are only two main etern eternal storylines to follow. You know, the movie doesn't have it. Like, it's not like Captain America or Captain Marvel, where you have like all these arcs and stuff. You know, you have the the original Jack Kirby series from 1970s, and then you have uh, the Neil Neil Gaiman. John Romita Jr. series from what, 2009? It's like something in the 2000s. Mm -hmm. And it, it's only, it's only what, seven issues long or something? Like there's, there's two small series and that's really it. Some of them had arcs with Avengers and other groups and showed up in comics, but mm -hmm. there's just these two storylines and there's, they're two very different things. Like all the really dark stuff that Brandon was talking about, like when Sprite, you know, wipes their memories and all, like they're two very different writers from two very different time periods. Yeah. And there's very little to connect them in between. So it's, it kind of seems like the team for the movie has a lot of canvas. That's still white. You know, they have a lot of blank canvas to play with essentially because yeah. yeah. there's not much about so, these, about these characters. Right. Do we want to uh, do this in the order where we drafted? Cause we did a snake. So I would now go twice and it'll go back or we can just start a Jenna again and I'll go last. Up to you. Um, I'll just roll through it. And that way I'll go last at the okay. end either way. And because okay. Dina and Icarus are super connected. So I think it'll be nice to go these two right after the other. So I'm just going to roll right into Icarus. Icarus is going to be played by Richard Madden in Eternals. That handsome son of a gun. Oh my gosh. Just, just <laughs> let me hold a dollar of those looks, bro. Uh, first appeared in Eternals number one, which I'm not going to brag, but I did manage to snag Eternals number one at Comic-Con the morning before they announced it in Hall H. I was able to get this. I imagine, I don't know. 
it wasn't cheap, but I imagine the price went up since then. I hope so. Because that's why partly, partially why I got it that morning. Uh, he first appeared in Eternals number one, July 1976. He is a third generation Eternal. He's more than 20,000 years old. These are some old folks. And they still look like Richard Madden. What the hell? Uh, he lived in Polaria, which we know as Siberia. It became Siberia in real world. Uh, and during the great cataclysm that sank Atlantis, he got in an ark full of humans and animals. So we see like a combination of things in the story. We're seeing uh, like the MCU rewriting, like putting its own spin on real world history, like giving Siberia an origin story that involves superheroes. Uh, Noah's Ark, like rewriting like religious mythology, like Noah's Ark type stuff. Um, and then we're also seeing ties to like MCU characters we expect to see like Namor and Atlantis. So all the Eternals are kind of linked to so many things. The symbol of the Celestial Pyramid, which the Celestials use to destroy one of their own races, is imprinted on his brow and shows itself when Icarus experiences neural pain. There's also a molecular pattern on his suit, which you'll see in a lot of the, the concept art that has already been released and promotional material, uh, which is the key to opening the pyramid and its secrets. And it will change if someone breaches the pyramid because it's like updating your password, I guess. <laughs> he led a fight against deviants as they tried to oppress humanity on Earth. He had a son who died and he so. So, OK, so listen to this story. Icarus gets married, he has a son, and he names it Icarus. It's like Icarus Jr., but it's not a superhero. It's just a human. But he wants it to be a superhero, I think. So he creates this thing that allows his normal muggle son to be able to fly. Bad call, Icarus. He then disappears to go fight deviants for a very long time. While he is out fighting deviants, Icarus Jr., Lil Icky, we're going to call him, <laughs> decides, I want to fly like my dad. And Lil Icky goes up to the atmosphere because he doesn't know how to control this thing. And he ends up getting lost in the upper atmosphere of Earth. Just floats there until he dies. Kid just dies up there while daddy's off fighting deviants. So then little Icky's uh, jetpack eventually gets killed and destroyed by the sun's rays because he's floating too close to the sun. And he falls back down to Earth. Icarus comes home and finds his son's body. Bro, Icarus, man, that's bad parenting. Bro, That's like leaving your kid in the car. Don't do that. Don't do that. Watch if you give your kid a jetpack, at least monitor them. Anyway, sad story. Sorry that happened to you, Icarus. Uh, and he eventually starts going by Ike Harris, and uh, he revisits the celestial chamber farther down the, load, the road. He's disguised as a human, which I believe is what happens in this book. I read this book a, a while back, um, and uh, ends up fighting deviants in New York City. Ultimately, gets thrown in jail, an underwater jail. Fina frees him later on. He later participates in that eternal mass suicide, which is in one of those versions of eternal stories. But he's rebirthed as all the Eternals were because they're eternal and they're, you know, it's comics. So then there's a fight with Thanos. We're not going to get into that. Um, and his powers are, you know, eternal physiology. Uh, he's got super strength, super speed, flight, regeneration, the same telekinetic, telepathic abilities that they don't really love to use because it's uncomfortable to use them. And in rare cases... He will use it. I don't know if any of that's coming to the MCU, but I do know he's going to be able to project cosmic energy beams from his eyes and hands in the MCU. And that's one of his signature powers. And fun facts, he has alternate names like Iceberg, Daedalus, and Sovereign in comics. But I think he's just going to go by Icarus in the Eternals movie. And that's my spiel about Icarus. Next up, Charlie, you're on the, you're on the clock again. You got I, I do have to say, oh. I love, I love the fact that he names his son after himself. Like it has big George Foreman energy of just like George <laughs> Foreman naming all of his kids, George. It's just like, you're destined to be exactly like me. Like, I love that energy. 
Uh, yeah, except he lets him fly into the sun, dude. My God. I, I, I like like that's sad, but I love it because it is the myth of Icarus. So that that's cool that they did that with little Icky. Also, everyone in the comments <laughs> is just basically like Paul Rudd is a is an, an like they're like Paul Rudd is an eternal. Like that's what the comments have decided at this point. <laughs> so he has he has drank from the Lazarus pit or whatever it is. I don't know. He is immortal. <laughs> he is eternal. I don't. He just turned like what 54, 53 this a couple weeks ago. Yeah, man still looks 25. Him and Richard Madden, you know, uh, I'm getting a lot of F's, 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 F's for for uh, for keeping Jim locked away. But I appreciate the A pluses that I am getting uh, and Lil Icky merch coming 2021. All right, Charlie, uh, I'm guessing you're going with Gilgamesh next. I'm, I'm going to wait on Gilgamesh, actually, because okay. Gilgamesh His name's has too now cool. become you gotta keep the him for character last. I'm most excited about. Like okay. I fall in love with the story of Gilgamesh. So I'm going to go with Ajax first. Hit us with that Ajax. Ajax is, is the second one we've talked about. Um, Makari was the first uh, when Aaron talked about Makari. Ajax is the second character that's going to be a different gender in the movie. Um, at least, you know, the person playing them, who knows if, what they're going to do with genders with the, you know, the journals and mm-hmm. stuff. But uh, Salma Hayek is playing Ajax, who was traditionally a man in the comics. Um, and, Ajax is really petty and I kind of hate Ajax. <laughs> Ajax super petty. So the the big claim to fame for Ajax is that Ajax was the was like the communicator to the celestials. Ajax was the kind of go between with the Eternals and the celestials that created them. And so you know there's a whole thing with the dreaming celestial with the, all these you know different weird names and stuff but uh, Ajax had the power to manipulate things and had the power to communicate with the celestials. That was kind of his chosen role was to kind of be the middleman between these groups. And then there's this whole storyline where the dreaming celestial needs to like have a, a chosen eternal to communicate with and like help again. There's a whole thing with the dark celestials anyway. So the, the dreaming celestial Sprite is trying to uh, affect things, trying to manipulate things so that, uh, so that Ajax can continue to be the communicator with the dreaming celestial and help kind of stop all these things and can kind of keep that power. But the dreaming celestial like kind of awakes and chooses Makari as his, like as his communicator, as his eternal counterpart. And Ajax gets super pissed and jealous because that was, that was my job. So he manipulates Gilgamesh into murdering Makari in order to have that job back. Yeah. The Eternals and like was, have the most effed up family history. They <laughs> like, they kill is, each other. They let their bad. kids die. I feel like, I, I feel like a lot of this is going to come to the movie, but I feel like a good chunk of it is not like, I don't think we're going to see Icarus's son die from flying up into space, but I do think the, the common theme that we're seeing here is that there is going to be a lot of division because of choices they made it towards each other. Yeah. And then they're, like they're going to end up being one side's going to be kind of villainous, other side kind of good, and then a bigger villain is going to make them all yeah, come together. Gilgamesh is a lot of that too, which you know I know I'll get to later. But um, yeah, it, Ajax is very petty and likes his responsibility and doesn't like being it being taken away from him. Uh, he ends up becoming a gardener when he gets reborn as a human, because uh, you know, he kills Makari, but then Makari comes back because they're Eternals and they always come back. Um, you know, they uh, he battled Hercules or he joined Hercules in a battle against the scroll gods, uh, an eternal scroll 
uh, killed Ajak at one point, and then you know he was brought back. And Ajak was one of those people that that joined in the uh, or one of those Eternals that joined in that big mass suicide mm-hmm. with everybody. A- Ajak feels like a very pivotal Eternal throughout a lot of this history because like a lot of the when a lot of the negative things happened between them, Ajak kind of felt like part of the center of that. And there's the mm-hmm. manipulation factor. And I'm really excited to see how Salma Hayek like does that, you know, like she's such a pleasant and like intelligent person. And I'm, I can see her being like this wise, you know, when they talk to her, she had, it's very direct and, you know, has everything, all the knowledge to say, but she's really kind of pulling different strings and manipulating different characters. And mm-hmm. I, I think she's really going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I'm also not going to be tremendously shocked if they take some of these stories and apply them to different characters. Yeah. Right. Because they love to do that at Marvel Studios. They love to kind of take stories from some characters, give them to some characters that won't even be in the movies. Like you'll get a different characters from comics Mm. and and put them. That's that's what they love to do. I mean, we've seen that before. All right. We have one more. Then we're going to take a quick little 60 second break. Jenna is up. Oh, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So we have two more. Sorry. Yes. Uh, We have uh, Fastos or Sprite. Who are you going with? I'll do Fastos. Fastos. Let's hear it. All right. So Another we cool got name. my uh, my big homie, uh, <laughs> Brian, Brian, Henry, Brian Tyree Henry. Hooray. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so he basically, he gets mistaken for Hephaestus during the ancient Grecian period. Um, he's not exactly a fighter. He's more of like a tech slash weapons guy. Um, so his first appearance is in issue one of the second volume of Eternals, uh, actually created by Peter B. Gillis and artist Sal Buscema instead of Jack Kirby. That's kind of interesting. Um, he's a master technologist and will probably be the one outfitting everyone else in the movie. Uh, that cool hammer you, you see him in, in the comics with him in the comics actually fires bolts of energy, which is really, really cool. Um, as to the stuff that you guys were alluding to before, Sprite actually does rewrite, rewrite his memories and he lives among humans for a while under the name Philip Stoss. And due to his nonviolent nature, uh, both Icarus and some of the other Eternals and Makari try to like convince him to get up off of like, you know, the sidelines and recognize that he was an Eternal and help them like, uh, you know, like stop uh, impending, like, you know, an impending doom situation. But he doesn't really listen to them. And then the Dreaming Celestial kind of like, forces him back into the fray uh, and Icarus in a the theater, the theater are like happy to, you know, have him there. Uh, he'll be the first gay MCU member, which is interesting. That's a very, that's very cool. Um, and Hold on, did you just dismiss Joe Russo? Joe Russo? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Alright, okay. Y'all can read me for that. Five seconds. Five seconds. Did you blink in Endgame? I'm sure you did. It was very long. Like, I'm sure you right. Oh, you couldn't miss it. They did a whole THR report just no, to make no, sure no. you knew. Listen, oh my we're gonna, goodness. We're gonna, I think we should just award that to to Fastos. I, I think we're just going to move. I completely forgot about that. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you. Appreciate you. Every time we mention Gage Overso on this show, I just have PTSD. It's just every single time. Oh, yeah. Everybody there's, forget. There's a word that comes to mind, and it's called performative. Yep. <laughs> yep. I think about that a lot. It's just such a weird decision by the anyway. I, that's why I can't. It wouldn't have it. been weird if they didn't do the whole thing before the movie about. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, yeah. we're getting anyway. we're breaking some ground, guys. Yeah. <sighs> also, anyway, little yes. Icky, little Icky did not solve the icing problem. There we go. <laughs> little Icky didn't <laughs> die for this. Little yeah. Icky didn't die for for Gay Cho Russo to get that title of first gay character in the MCU. <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, okay. Wow. Now that we're back, let's get back on the rails. Yep. Uh, I'm done. Jenna, go. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, um, I'll talk about Cersei. Um, Her first appearance was Eternals number three. She was also created by Jack Kirby. Um, She was retconned, kind of like what happened with Thena. She retconned to have first appeared in Strange Tales 109, which came out like a little bit before. So technically, she's co-created by Stanley and and Robert Bernstein, but really, it's kind of Kirby's creation. But it was the thing of she was technically portrayed as the goddess Cersei. Um, She had has existed for years she met Odysseus she like met him on the journey that became the Odyssey she helped capture everything that escaped Pandora's box and then eventually she became a socialite in New York City um she met the Avengers when she invited them to one of her parties and that was kind of how she first got in touch with them she flirted with Captain America for a little bit and then decided like I'll help you out on some missions and then she eventually actually joined the team after Gilgamesh got injured which I'm sure Charlie is going to go further into um so she joined the team and so did Black Knight at the same time and she kind of started developing feelings for him um, at a certain point she started suffering a mental breakdown and briefly turned evil in that kind of way that always happened in the comics in like the 70s and 80s of like oh this female character is going to wear a slightly more risque costume and just be slightly evil and more of a prick um, but so she was she was briefly evil and it led to the Eternals and the Avengers kind of fighting with each other um, the Eternals ultimately suggested that they put Xerxes and Dane in what is called a Ganjossin bond which is basically a psychic imprinting of like you can telepathically feel each other's thoughts and help ground each other it feels like what is in twilight of like the weird imprint thing just on steroids um but so this bond was complicated by the fact that Xerxes really liked Dane but Dane had a love triangle with Crystal of the Inhumans who was also an Avenger at the time but I'll dive more into that in the Dane Whitman part um but so also at the same time Xerxes was being stalked by Proctor who is a evil parallel version of Dane who basically his version of Cersei turned him down and so then he went through the multiverse and was like I'm gonna kill all the Xerxes because I'm mad because she rejected me and so she got kind of stressed out and overwhelmed and ended up killing Proctor and then she was like I'm gonna exile myself to the Ultraverse and so that way I can kind of have some time away and so Dane was like I guess I'll go with you and so then they were there and Cersei became possessed by an Infinity Stone, a seventh Infinity Stone that does not exist in the main continuity and so that led to a with Grandmaster and Loki. Um, Eventually, she made her way back to the main Earth. And then after Civil War, as we've mentioned, all of the Eternals kind of forgot their powers and were established in human lives. So Cersei became a party planner. And then eventually she rediscovered her powers and had a romantic relationship with Makari until he died. And then as we've kind of established, she was part of the mass suicide with the rest of the Eternals. I do think it is hilarious to imagine these these superheroes with like eternal abilities just suddenly working at Starbucks. Most of them didn't know who they were. Yeah. Right, right. Oh man, I wish I was that important. Which like, I, I almost think that's a the thing they're going to lean into in the movie of like, oh, I'm just an average person. And then suddenly I remember I have this ancient history. Like I wouldn't be surprised if that's a thing they lean into a little bit, but who knows? These movies need to work on the perception they're giving of actually being a superhero. Because I'm yeah. going to leave thinking I'm just going to wake up one day and remember <laughs> my abilities. All right. Warped perception. Anyway, just kidding. Yep. Stupid joke. Uh, all right. We're going to take a 60 second break. This is a great opportunity for you to hit the follow button on the comicbook.com Twitch channel or just send the podcast to your friend if you're listening to it on Apple or Spotify. And we'll be right back with breakdowns on Dane Whitman, Sprite, Gilgamesh, Druig, and more from the MCU and a movie draft. See you in a second.
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back to Phase Zero. Thank you for staying with us through the break. There are, there are, the comments are lit up. This is hilarious. Was somebody crunching? I like took out my earphones for a second and everyone is just Some, like. Something crunchy did happen. I, somebody I was, don't know. Somebody was digging into a bag of chips right when we first started. Last week I was whistling our theme song during the break. This week somebody was going ham on a bag of Lay's. Uh, all right. So we have our last four Eternals that we are schooling y'all on. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Go ahead and grade us in the comment section and send us your tweets. If you're listening to us in podcast form, let us know. And if you have more questions, feel free. Maybe we could dive into some more of this. Uh, Jenna is up with her final eternal, not actually an eternal. Yep. Very eternals adjacent. Um, I am glad that we had that little break because it gave me time to go over to my bookshelf and grab little Dane Whitman since he's the closest thing we have right now until they actually have pops for the movie. I mean, I imagine um, he's going to look similar to that exactly. if he does become. You really just put like a helmet on this and you're good to go. Like, honestly, yeah. that's basically the cost. Kit Harrington's right. never going to really play anyone else. <laughs> like, that is so. what is so funny to me about him taking this role. It's like you just spent a decade basically playing this character and now you're just going to play him with like more magic as a superhero it's like okay <laughs> like good for him for like being self-aware about it because i would i would half expect him to just be like no i'm done like i'm gonna move on to literally anything else <laughs> so and then when, um, he, when he has to kill cersei at the end of the movie yeah McQueen. I, <laughs> I was thinking i was like can can the next avengers movie have a scene between him and whoever amelia clark is playing where they just like awkwardly look at each other and then just move on like we just don't acknowledge it but also acknowledge it um well queen <laughs> Um, But so Black Knight, a.k.a. Dane Whitman, he first appeared in Avengers number 47. He was created by Roy Thomas, George Tuska, and John Verporten. Um, He is a scientist with a master's degree in physics, but he also has this weird lineage to the Black Knight history. Um, The very first Black Knight was his ancestor in the Arthurian times, and then it became this thing where all of his descendants kind of could become the Black Knight at one point or another. And so before Dane... Um, Dane's uncle was the Black Knight and he used, he used the mantle to be a supervillain and fight the Avengers and just be this horrible person. Um, he he died after he was kind of yeeted off of his horse in a, fight, in a fight with Iron Man. I read the comic like this morning and I'm like, there's no other way to describe this. He just got yeeted off of his horse. Like Iron Man thought he died. And then in the next issue, it's like, oh no, he, he like barely survived and like crawled to a payphone and was like, my nephew, Dane Whitman, please help me. And so then on his deathbed, he 
was basically like, hey, I'm the Black Knight. I've been evil my whole life. Can you become the Black Knight and not use it for horrible things? And Dane's like, okay, I guess. And so Dane basically goes to this castle and is doing all of the science stuff in there. Um, that draws the attention of Magneto because he's doing something with magnet waves. And so Magneto's off on this whole other tangent of like, I want to restart the Brotherhood and I want to kidnap um, Wanda and Pietro and kind of use them for that. And so... At a certain point, he kidnapped my kids. I don't even think they were his kids at this point. He was just like, I like those two. I trust them. I want them to join the Brotherhood. And they're like, we've joined the Avengers. Please leave us alone. And so, like, Dane gets caught in this. And he's like, well, I guess I have to suit up as the Black Knight now. And so he makes his own, like, he in this time since his uncle died and until Magneto shows up, he's, like, created his own Pegasus. He's made a new costume. He's He has, like, this sword that he's using. Um, he tries to go get the Avengers and be like, hey, Magneto, doing this stuff I can lead you to where Wanda and Pietro are if you want to help me and the Avengers that are there who are Ant-Man Wasp and Hawkeye are basically like that looks like that guy we fought before we don't trust him and so they just beat the crap out of him <laughs> and at a certain point he just stops and he's like I am trying to help you please let me help you and so then he takes them to where they are and then they keep asking him too many questions and he's just like I'm gonna leave like I'm done with all of you um, and so then eventually he is trusted by the Avengers because they do realize he's not the same guy that they fought before um, he's given visual Avengers membership and he's also given the Ebony Blade and through a series of events which is basically this really big sword that I will go into in a bit because it has all this weird lore tied to it. Um, so there is this one arc that's really funny because since he's a provisional member, he is the only person who can defeat King the Conqueror because he's not a full Avenger. So all of the full Avengers are like impacted by whatever King's doing, but it's like, I'm an honorary Avenger so I can stab you with my sword and then I can actually save the day. And so because of that, he then is given full membership in the, in the Avengers. Um, and so he uses the ebony blade, which is this really powerful sword. It's later revealed to be cursed in, into making you go crazy. At one point, it literally starts turning Dane into the same metal that makes up the sword. And it also kind of messes with his brain and turns him insane. Um, he deals with that over and over and over again. He gets turned into a statue a lot. Like this is a thing that happens at least like three separate times in the comics. Um, Cause he joins the defenders and his body gets turned to stone by Enchantress and the, the defenders are like, we don't know what to do. And so Valkyrie is like, I'll take his sword. And Dr. Strange is like, I guess I'll take his body and just take, have this stone body in his house. And then they eventually, they figure out that Dane, Dane's soul traveled to the 12th century and is inside the body of his ancestor so it is just very weird stuff going on. And then eventually he does make his way back to the present day. He does get another sword called the Photon Sword because the other, the Ebony Blade was messing with his mind too much. Um, he develops a love triangle with Xerxes and Crystal of the Inhumans and also the Avengers. Um, Crystal also at one point had a kid with Pietro. And so that kind of was putting a strain on Black Knight and Crystal's thing. But then they're like, um, Crystal's daughter comes back at a certain point and Dane kind of realizes like okay I'm I'll, I'll let you and Pietro do your thing and have your little happy family I guess I'll go over with Cersei because especially now that we have this psychic bond um, and so then they go to the Ultraverse and while Cersei is dealing with being possessed by an Infinity Stone Dane leads the Ultra Force which is basically that universe's version of the Avengers um, he comes back to the main Earth and he joins a lot of different teams he joins the Heroes for Hire he joins Excalibur he helps Captain Britain a lot of times and then he 
he keeps joining the Avengers. Um, he also switches bodies a lot. Like he'll just go back to this random an ancestor or somebody in another timeline or whatever. Um, at a certain point, he goes to Weird World. And then most recently, he was part of the Avengers arc where it was basically America's next top Phoenix host of like, we're trying to find the next host of the Phoenix. And so he was part of that and kind of briefly had the Phoenix Force, which was kind of cool. Yeah, can we just hold on a second? I mean, Jenna not only came prepared, but she delivered it all so well. Wow. This was so much. Like, I could write a book just on how weird all of this is. Because it's this weird mix of, like, science and mythology and space stuff. And I'm like, this character just has so much going on, but in the best possible way. It, yes. it feels like there's no way that they tell a lot of his story in this movie. Like, I think you have no, to... I don't know. Like, there's a way to kind of deal with, like, the legacy aspect of it all. Like, they're really going to have to streamline it. But I feel like, because in my mind, as soon as they cast him, I was like, well, he and Cersei are going to eventually join the Avengers in my mind. So it's like, I feel like we'll dive into more of that weird stuff when we get to that point. Because there's you can so see many weird things his own thing. Like, <laughs> exactly, there's so yeah. much story to tell. He could be introduced here and have his own, like, yeah. you know, medieval different mini series over the years he has one that's going on right now that's really good so it's like there is so much storytelling that you can do with dane whitman like it's kind of crazy that he's just like part of this one movie because you almost could just do a black knight movie if you really wanted to yeah i, I don't think we're gonna see a fully realized black knight yet i think we're gonna get like the beginning of that story yeah uh it's laid out here but there i mean look at all of the stuff we've talked about so far we still have three more characters to talk about <laughs> and we're all we're, at the runtime of our show just just introducing you to these characters is half the runtime of your average movie. Like we're already, there's a lot going on. So, uh, all right. Great job, Jenna. That was awesome. Oh, I just dropped one of my Suicide Squad poker chips in excitement. Ooh, way to go. Uh, <laughs> all right. Aaron, you are talking about Sprite. I am. Um, so Sprite first appears in Eternals 9, March of 1977. It's a Jack Kirby creation again. Um, you got you guys kind of know where we're, because of what Charlie already put forth, what uh, Jenna and BB, all, all of it sort of revolves around Sprite kind of having a lot of weird machinations behind the scenes, like them and Ajax just plotting. So we're in for another trickster. That's fun. Right, trickster archetype is pretty well-defined in MCU. I am now have a clock in the background of my Mac waiting on when we get Tom Hiddleston and freaking like who's who's playing Sprite in this one? I wrote it down. Leah McHugh yeah. in the same thing because it will be delightful like in, in the same frame with each other if it could happen. Um, so Sprite is a big deal in, in the comics of the aughts that uh, 2000s era Eternals run that Char Charlie alluded to before. They're kind of one of the main motivating forces behind the entire like plot of that book. Um, so he made the cast like the entire like range of Eternals forget who they were and live, live unassuming lives in the first place as like payback for treating him like a child um, in the previous iteration of comics back in the 70s. Um, he harnessed his power of the Dreaming Celestial to use the, something called the Uni Mind, like, like a big, big MacGuffin for the Eternals to warp reality because we all know how great that goes in MCU. Um, <laughs> we know how, like, you know, like Wanda, um, it doesn't go well for Naughty Sprite. They almost get away with it, but they get caught by some of the other, I guess, I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's Icarus and Cersei catch them on the way out and they, they deal with them. And because they never die, it's just like, well, I would have gotten away with it. I do it again. Go ahead and kill me so I can come back and cause more mischief. 
Um, back in Shakespeare's time, it's rumored that uh, the Bard based puck on uh, based puck from Midsummer Night's Dream on Sprite, and that would make sense, right? Um, powers include illusions, levitation, cosmic ra- radiation, and rearranging matter. How, however, like Cersei is better at molecular reconstruction, right? I mean, look at the sword. Um, so that's going to be really interesting to see because we already have a couple different characters who could be like an antagonist or like sort of like a weird sort of not completely a hero. There's multiple routes it could go. I think from listening to everybody, what I've like internalized is, man, this thing could go in so many different places because there's only two big runs and it's just a bunch of white space. I don't know exactly what to expect, but after learning about Ajax and Gilgamesh from you guys, like I'm like, oh boy, I don't know who's going to be the bad guy. I, I just imagine it's going to be a thing where something happened between them that they were, some of them were perceived as the bad guys and probably to each other, they were all the bad guys. So they divided and now they have to come back together to fight a worse, more powerful bad guy. That's the that's what I'm imagining here. Uh, Charlie, you are up. Your final character. You've been hyping this yep. one. Gilgamesh, the coolest name of all the Eternals, honestly. Yeah. So Gilgamesh was, I, I believe that was the last one I picked. Mm-hmm. Um, but that it is now Gilgamesh is the character I am most looking forward to watching in this movie uh, because his story is so fun. And he feels to me like the person that we're all going to root for by the end of the Eternals. He feels like the one that we are really going to get behind. So Gilgamesh had a bunch of different names. The other main name he's known as is the forgotten one. And so he, throughout history, you know, he was, he was involved in a lot of big like historical events. He helped start the Roman empire. He fought alongside Hercules. He was friends with Achilles. He had run-ins with King David, like, like biblical King David. There was just all kinds of stuff going on with the forgotten one over the course of history. And the most important thing about him is that he did not know he was an eternal. So he didn't, he had these, he had, you know, strength. He could, he was a great warrior. He lived all these lives. He didn't know why. And it turns out because he was an eternal. So eventually he learns about his heritage and the Eternals learn about him. And there's a character named Zurus who was the leader of the Eternals for a long time, who was not in the cast of this movie as far as we know. Um, And so I'm interested to see how that kind of comes into play and how Zurus and who kind of takes on that role or if they mention Zurus at all. But Zurus learns about the Forgotten One's history as, you know, because the Eternals aren't supposed to like meddle in human affairs. Does he then become the remembered one? So, well, he ends up, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so, Zerus locks up uh, Gilgamesh, banishes Gilgamesh to a in a, uh, a sector of Olympia that is completely deserted and just shuns Gilgamesh there. And, like, no one goes and sees him. The Eternals don't ever, like, talk to him or whatever. They, they, they leave him there for centuries and forget about him while he's by himself. He's locked away by himself. And eventually what happens is you uh Aaron was talking about the Unimind when all of the um the other Eternals are in the Unimind doing their whole thing, uh Sprite is protecting Earth and notices that there's an invasion from the deviants coming. And so what Sprite does is is she goes or he she's she in the in the movie. Um Sprite goes and gets Gilgamesh from this forgotten sector and says, you need to we need you gives Gilgamesh this armor and like rockets him into space onto this uh, deviant ship. Just goes right past little icky. They have this (laughs) explosive power core that's supposed to like take out the planet and Gilgamesh just takes out 
all of the deviants by himself and yeah, saves everybody. Gilgamesh is, um, is awesome. G in the chat. So then, yeah. so then when the forgotten one comes back, uh, the uh, he's, he's blind for a time and they never really explained why that was. It probably something to do with that energy core that was there, but they never really deal with it. But Zerus ends up restoring the forgotten ones like freedom and his, his title of an eternal uh, after that. And they start calling him hero. He, he takes on that name. Um, and, uh, he's since abandoned that, but, um, eventually he becomes an Avenger. He, he fights alongside the Avengers. You know, Jenna mentioned that a little bit. Uh, he gets injured in a battle versus the lava man and he kind of leaves the Avengers to go back to Olympia. He's, he's captured by a mortis. He has all these uh, run-ins, you know, the Kang kind of was in there. Um, and then it all kind of comes forward to when Sprite rebirths a lot of the Eternals. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gilgamesh comes back. He's fighting in Brazil, uh, as a, as a circus strongman. Like that, that's his, that's the role that he has taken on. And that's when I, and I mentioned earlier about Ajak and how Ajak manipulated, uh, Ajak came and found Gilgamesh knowing Gilgamesh's power and showed Gilgamesh parts of his memories. And, only the part where all of the Eternals cast him aside and put him in prison for centuries and did him wrong and stuff. So Gilgamesh has this section of his memories and essentially goes on a war path against the other Eternals because he feels like they've imprisoned him forever. And that's the reason he's where he is now. That's the reason he has no memories, all this stuff. He kind of has a, a portion of the truth. He goes and fights the other Eternals. That's where he seemingly kills, um, Makari. Obviously Makari comes back later. Um, but uh, he he fought Druig, who's in this movie. Uh, who you're, I think you're going to talk about Brandon. Um, he he went through all this, and then eventually was given. Athena gave his re you know assigned his memories, and he saw kind of the full picture before she kind of put him down. And then um, he comes back with everybody else, and he he works with Thor to uh, to save uh, Phaestos at some point. He hangs out with Hercules. There's a whole deal with with the gods of war. When he he works with Hercules a lot. Um, but the biggest thing is like, is that comeback where he is working against all of them because he doesn't have all the information and, and he, he's really the only one that can, he can single handedly go toe to toe with a lot of them and, and, and fight and, and, you know, he obviously killed Makari. And so Gilgamesh has this really interesting arc of like being the enemy of his own people just because he helped humans and that he, he spent his whole centuries long life helping people and he was shunned for that. And then given a portion of that information ended up being an antagonist to them for a minute, even though it felt justified to an extent. I mean, again, he didn't have all the information, but uh, it's, He's there it's a soldier. really, it's a, yeah, it's a really interesting arc. He, he has a lot of up and down and yeah. even just reading through like the descriptions of, of these stories, you really feel for what Gilgamesh has been through. Yeah. And I just, after reading all of it, after all the forgotten one stuff, he feels like the character that's going to have so much to do in the movie. And I'm so excited to see how they bring him to life uh, in, in yeah. this. So that sounds, that sounds dope. I mean, he sounds like a powerhouse. I just want to see him run through a brick wall like Juggernaut. <laughs> all right. Now our last character of the day, by the way, uh, there was a comment I wanted to shout out. What was it? Uh, now the comments have been, going too quickly i lost it uh, maybe uh, i'm not going to shout out the comment 
Um, There's one that says anyway. Charlie's the best. You can just pull that one. Anyway. Uh, oh, oh, I wanted to point out how there are about as many, however many people download the Phase Zero podcast and watch us live. We're all going to go to the movies and talk about Lil Icky. And nobody's <laughs> going to know what the hell we're talking about. But you will know that there are Phase Zero listeners among you. If I was going to say, Lil we Icky. need Little Icky merch. Like, I feel like that <laughs> might be our merch for the show. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Lil Icky. Lil Icky. And he just has, he has the brain. That's right. That's right. All right. My character is Druig, played by Barry Yogan. First appeared in Eternals number 11, May 1977. He is known as the Lord of Flames and Nightmares, the son of Valken. And uh, Valken is also the adopted father of Icarus. Important pieces of information for what's about to come. Druig messes up. Pretty bad early on. The Eternals are trying to get some arrival sites ready for Celestials. They don't know Celestials are pretty bad yet. Uh, and he accidentally unleashes a celestial called Dromedan, who, uh, you know, Jenna said they have weird names. She wasn't kidding. Dromedan, Dromedan. I, I tried. D-R-O-M-E-D-A-N. Try your best. The Eternals defeat Dromedan, uh, but not before Dromedan kills Druig's mother, Virico. This is when Vulcan decides he's going to adopt Icarus. They become super close. Druig develops daddy issues because this Icarus dude is basically stealing his dad. That's kind of good reason to have issues with your father in today's world Druig served as a kgb agent in russia i don't know maybe a black widow type probably not my tinfoil hat stays tight uh he enjoyed torturing people while doing that he tried to torture icarus once upon a time but was ultimately disintegrated by icarus and celestials kept his body at their des- desecration annex so sprite has already tricked the eternals into thinking they're humans by erasing their memories and Druig is being sketchy and making fake hostage hostage situations and stuff in russia to make himself get more power he hired thena to help organize that because thena was a party planner it's not a party planner now someone else was the party planner uh but he does Xerxes hire thena to help Xerxes right, no, no, was no, it was thena no it was thena Anyway, Xerxes right. and Athena are both there. So there's a party planner somewhere in the mix. Uh, they're going by Athena Elliott and Mark Curry at the time. Um, oh, no, it was Athena and Macari. Hold on. No, no, no. Oh, that's there's an error in my notes that I remember this. Wow. The Unimind starts to awaken them because they're all together. They're all in this high pressure situation. The Unimind is like this thing that happens with the Eternals where they all kind of link up. It's like the Internet, but for their brains. Uh, and they start to remember all this stuff. Athena... Makari, Druig, they have, uh, you know, realizations of their abilities, their ambitions and stuff like that. Druig decides he's going to very violently take control of a place called Vorazeka. Icarus tried to intervene. There's a big fight. They ultimately have to come together because there is an impending alien threat called the Horde. Thanos becomes a factor, all this stuff. But ultimately, it's, again, a story where Eternals are fighting each other. Bigger threat comes into play. They end up working together. Druig's powers include... He's basically unkillable. Like he's probably one of the most immortal of the Eternals, but he's got super strength. He's got super speed. You know, he can fly all that stuff. He can create illusions and he has the ability of matter transmutation. Again, I don't know how many of these powers, like if, if the Eternals across the board are going to have all their powers in the MCU, or they're each going to kind of have one that defines them, which I think for Druig, it will be matter transmutation, which means he can pretty much transform anything in around him into something else of equal matter. That's the rules of physics. So that's Druig. Uh, all these stories, like they're interwoven, there's different versions, you know, we don't, you know, uh, we don't know what we're getting in the movies, but I hope this kind of gave you, you know, something to play with, something to think about, to picture for the Eternals, because we don't have a full trailer yet, we don't have all that much info, and, uh, there's a, there's a lot to take in, and I know, listen, there's also, we need to talk about deviance, so I thought the perfect person to talk about deviance would be the most likely deviant among us, right, I, I mean, who else 
would be a deviant other than Jim Viscardi. So I think we have a deviant in the, in the party. Oh, Jimmy, my mic was muted. <laughs> muted. This is finally this freed is, you and you couldn't even. This is it. No, you know what this is? This is bias. If you say collusion, I swear to God. You have a big return. And so what did you do? You muted my mic and you said, nope, I'm going to ruin this for Jim. I have no I'm control my, over microphone. I had I no control. I had my big return planned and my mic was muted. All right, Jim, I know you commented Jim is free from comic book. I know that was you. <laughs> <laughs> look, Jim, look, at, look at how happy the chat is. Look at how happy the chat is. Everybody should be awarding me for bringing you on the show. They no, no, be no. Awarding you for being here. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Everyone is so excited for what I have to for what I have to do. Well, what first thing I have to say is I am basically going to make an Eternals PhD. I'm going to print it and mail it to Jenna, and she needs to yes. put it up on her wall Thank because you. holy moly! <laughs> Thank you. There was there was a moment where she was going through uh, the Dane Whitman stuff, and literally all three of you guys were just like this. <laughs> I was trying to it see if she was going to breathe. I, I I just get this way about comic stuff, honestly. Absolutely. Like incredible if you put me in, in a room and just tell me to talk about like three of the characters i like the most i will go off for like three <laughs> hours so when you tell me do research about dane whitman and he has a lot of lore i'm just gonna go nuts so <laughs> uh, absolutely love it all right let's talk about some let's talk about some deviants because they're they're a thing that uh <laughs> they've got a weird ass history guys uh it's there are these things called uh the the hosts and basically what happens is the celestials come down to earth and they basically judge earth uh, right and so the deviants date back like a billion to years basically like like thousands of years bc kind of thing where uh you know when when the celestials first came to earth and uh, the eternals were you know were, were put on earth to kind of protect it uh you know there was there was a, a sense of evolution the deviants were almost kind of the the proto inhumans in a way they were kind of like your your first uh mutants in a way because it's one of those things where over the, the, the whole the celestials are basically like, okay, here is here is life. We're gonna wait, we're gonna come back and we're gonna see uh, you know, what what you what you kind of do with it. And so, you know, through the course of evolution, uh, you come to learn that they're basically the deviants have a gene that that just turn them into mutates. So they're not mutants, but they're mutates. And they just become these ugly, monster-looking things that have, you know, more than average strength, uh, that you know, basically go to war uh, against the eternals. They feel that the eternals feel that they're too superior, and the deviants are like, no way. But the problem, like with the, the, the similarity that they share is you know how the, we've been talking about how the Eternals always kind of fight amongst one another. The Deviants are like way worse because they are incredibly territorial uh, and, you know, they, they think that they should be the best uh, and they keep obviously trying to fight, uh, you know, fight for the best. Uh, and inevitably they get to a point, you know, you know tens of thousands of years ago where like the deviants actually win right like they are in control of of earth uh you know with the exception of atlantis 
Um, and, and basically the celestials come back and the, the big thing that they do, uh, the celestials do is like, they, they basically do like thumbs up, thumbs down or like sideways. And so they get the big old thumbs down. They get basically wiped. Uh, and so, you know, like all, like all things, uh, they don't get truly wiped. And so in time for the third host, the deviants are like, okay, wait a minute. Let's, let's try and build some, uh, truce with the eternals. And like any truce, uh, it doesn't go well. Right. And so that, uh, so that has, so, you know, that basically blows up in their face. And basically what you like, the only real thing that you need to know about the deviants, I think for the movie is that they are probably just going to be. Uh, like the monstrous kind of cannon, cannon fodder, um, uh, kind of thing. Cause right, like Druig control, you know, it like basically like is their leader for a little bit. Like, cause you know, Druig is, uh, at one point, like wants to be in control of the Eternals. And he's like, well, there, here's this army of people who already hate the Eternals. Like, it's kind of like, like Scar and the hyenas in a way. And so, uh, so, so really like the, the biggest thing that you just need to know about the deviants is, they're just big, ugly monsters that, uh, that, you know, they, they, they hate each other. They hate everyone else. And it'll be interesting to see they're, they're a lot bulkier in Marvel comics. And just given what we've seen, uh, from some concept art of the, uh, the celestials and whatever, I can't imagine they're going to keep some of that design. Uh, so I'm really curious to see what these guys end up looking like. I hope they're not just generic, you know, monster things and, uh, you know, or, or and he, they all look individually like very different, right? They're all each, yeah. each, each deviant is its own thing. Like no two look. Right. Thing. Yeah. And that's kind of like, that's kind of like that, the, the comparison I make with, uh, it, the inhumans, right? Like you have the inhumans that end up like the Royal family and look, you know, big and great. And then you also have, uh, the rejects kind of things that, uh, you know, the, if, for the Eternals. And so, um, I suspect they're going to look different. I suspect they'll probably have uh, a bit of a different backstory just because, like I said, like the deviants have been around for thousands of years, but they haven't really had any major, you know, moments in, in Marvel history outside of just being a foil for, for the Eternals and some Eternal stories. Jim, in the words of Falcons, oh. Nat, Layla in the comments, Jim is the kid in class who does no preparation for a project, but will still get an A+. Plus. <laughs> we do. Listen, great, great deviant presentation. Talking about your kinfolk over there, you deviant wow. son of a gun. I yeah. just have to say, Brandon, your internet crapped out as soon as Jim logged on the chat. And it just like that, that just feels like even your internet provider is just furthering the beef between you two. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, WrestleMania 39, whatever. It's, it's Jim Biscardi and Brandon Davis. Woo! No, Jim, that was great. Thank you very much. Uh, you're, that's, your time's up, though. You're out. Oh, what? Okay, get him <laughs> out, Richard. Kick him out. <laughs> I didn't know that was actually going to be that fast. Wow. He's gone. He's gone. Oh, I do have geez. news, though. Um, you know, if we, if we kept Jim on here for this news, we would have never heard the end of it. But next week, the com- watch the comment section when I drop this news. Uh, next week's show is hosted by Jim Viscardi because I won't be here. The show, the show belongs to Jim. <laughs> so, so that's, 
that's a thing. Anyway, uh, this has been your Eternals lesson episode of Phase Zero. Honestly, Aaron, Charlie, Jenna, especially. No shade to you, Aaron or Charlie, but Jenna, especially. Oh, no. Hey, I, I'm, I agree Listen. with you. So thank you. Uh, it, it, is, uh, it has been an educational hour for myself. The comment section seems to have learned a lot as well. If, if you guys listening and watching learn something and you have friends who need to know about the Eternals, I encourage you send them a link to today's podcast. They'll know everything they need to know just months before Eternals arrive. And the good thing is this podcast never expires. You can listen to it a week before the movie comes out as well. I'm just going to send it to everybody. I'm going to make my mom listen to it. Everybody's listening to this episode. All right, we're going to get to some of the news real quick. Then we have a movie draft. We're already an hour in. This is a long, long show. Uh, news of the week. I'm just going to run through some of this really quickly because we've talked. We spent so much time on this show already. Martin Freeman knows everything about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Ryan Coogler told him the whole story. Martin Freeman, if you're listening... <laughs> Text me, bro. You know, I want to know what's going on in that movie. Anthony Mackie, definitely not in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And this is one of those cases where I actually believe the actor when they say something. He was asked uh, in some interview if he was going to pop up there. And he said, no, that's a that's not his that's not a Captain America story. It's a Wakanda story as it should be. Rumors uh, have it that Monica Rambeau are going to be appearing in Doctor Strange 2. I don't I don't know if I'm buying this one. Makes sense because Wanda and Monica together, but also she's going on to be in the Marvels. And I, I don't know, Jenna, it looks like you have some thoughts. I, I think it could work. I think like also Dr. Strange, as we've established on the show before, even though the movie has basically wrapped filming, we know so little about it at the same time. And considering how much of the multiverse we can assume it's going to tackle, I, I could even see it being a thing of like, we get Monica, but it might not be our Monica. Like it might be like an alternate universe version of her. And that's kind of just like an, a frame of reference for Marvel fans of like, hey, you can see how the multiverse works because this Monica is different from ours. So I, I could see it being the, the main MCU one, I could see it being something else, but like this movie feels so big already that it's like, yeah, throw Monica in there. I'd love to see it like the ultimates, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a team out there that Especially shows like, if, if we're dealing with like the whole Wanda looking for her kids thing, like no yeah. one really kind of gets her there like Monica does because Monica was there for all of that. And so exactly, right. yeah. there's a lot Monica, of like, it's Tiana booked and busy says Falcons that honestly the cast of WandaVision Staying busy. Catherine Hahn, Benoit Blanc's about to be like, I do declare it was Agatha all along. Uh, Avengers Campus, Bob Chapik describes it as truly phenomenal. He's just bragging because unless you live in California, you can't go when it opens. So I don't care. Moving on. Venom, let there be carnage. We got a trailer for it. Do we want to spend too much time talking about this? Because it was a, it was a movie trailer. It was great. Don't give me that. Do, do it was we not a great trailer. Do we think that? It's in the MCU. Uh, I think it's MCU adjacent. I don't know. I don't think it's in the MCU. I mean, and it doesn't need to be like, honestly, just cast your own Spider-Man. I'd love that Spider-Man in it, just a completely different one. Just do it. I want that crazy energy that Tom Hardy has to just do a whole little, their own little spider franchise world, you know, bring Garfield back to do that. Aaron, what do you think? Um, I just, I don't know what to think about any of this stuff anymore. There's so many things like Stan Lee's in the trailer. Like we still don't know what's going on with it, with it being, will it be on Disney plus? Nobody knows. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, exclusively it, on stars. <laughs> these are, it's, I feel like Sony and the filmmakers are just trying to, like they, they, they're very clearly not saying anything one way or another because they know being a part of the MCU buys in a whole part of the audience just automatically and saying it's not kind of crushes a bit of that 
that box office draw just because I don't know why, but the MCU is such a juggernaut uh, uh, for like I mean, Morbius. The first did all make almost a billion dollars though. Yeah. Yes, it did. Uh, th- I still think nobody was going to be talking about that Morbius trailer if Michael Keaton wasn't in it, tying it to oh, the MCU. I mean, yeah, I'm absolutely. not. I'm not disagreeing yeah. with that. I don't think Venom the needs like- the MCU to be successful, right. but I think it is more successful from a financial standpoint. It's more oh, marketable yeah. if you tie it to the biggest franchise in movies right now. Anyway, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't think it's part of the actual MCU, but I think Sony really wants it to be. Yeah. I don't know that. I think they do. And I think that it w- could be connected through the multiverse. I think we could end up seeing that happen. I thought the trailer was just okay. Very I mean, okay. A trailer, like if we're, if we're judging by what a trailer is and how you cut a trailer, it was fine. Yeah. But like it made the trailer no showed me what I wanted to see. Like what I loved about the first movie was the bonkers energy of the Tom Hardy stuff that it seemed like no one else in the movie was on board with. And in this one, it seems like everyone's on board with it. Mm-hmm. Like they're spending real time with that, like, quasi rom-com weird you know odd couple thing with with eddie and with venom and that's awesome that's like that whole thing in the kitchen is hysterical to me the whole mrs chen like mm-hmm. that's the stuff in venom i love yeah it's it, I, if, if i can get a whole movie of the lobster tank like it's <laughs> that's exactly what i want and this trailer was that and woody harrelson is on calling the same like madness kind of level as tom hardy which that, that was why i suggested garfield like because Andrew Garfield is showing roles recently where he's really getting on that level of like knowing the assignment and just getting wild. And that's all I wanted from it. So the trailer, I love it because it showed me that bonkers, crazy energy that I wanted. Not because it was a great trailer, but just I, I believe in what I the felt like the be. first Venom would have been really good if it came out in 2005. Same yeah. movie could have come out in 2005. We would have loved it. And this had that same kind of almost dated feeling to it. Like, I love Tom Hardy as Eddie interacting with Venom. I thought that was the best part of the first Venom. And and it's it's Venom's apartment. Eddie's just living in it now. But, you know, I, I trailer, I give it like a six out of ten mm-hmm. for me. I'm going to watch the movie day one. Absolutely. But uh, it didn't really get me more excited for the movie. I mean, Venom broke a bottle of ketchup. Ketchup? <laughs> it's perfect. Like, I don't know what else you want. A good story. Uh, I moving on. Now, you say either? You actually sound like him. Wow. You know, that was actually Maybe better be. than any impression I've done on Phase Zero so far. Wow. Uh, all right. So now we're going to end the show. Two weeks from now, we're going to have the results of this movie draft. We're doing a movie draft. TV show draft too, but we're calling it a movie draft. Just it sounds catchier than movie and TV draft. We are each picking four MCU titles. It's a draft. And then the audience is going to vote on who has the best lineup. You can pick anything that has already been released in the Marvel from Marvel studios. So Netflix, we're not going to do Marvel TV. It's Marvel studios only. I know daredevil punisher agents of shields. They're all great. That said, we're sticking with Marvel Studios only just so that we don't have such a wide range. Because at that point, so it's, it's I mean, movies plus I, WandaVision plus Falcon Winter Soldier. Yes. We're not including Ben Affleck's Daredevil. I know you wanted that one, Charlie. I know that would have been your first pick. I was it's doing Nick Cage Ghost Rider, number one. Listen, I wanted Chris Evans's Fantastic Four movies, but they're not eligible. They're not in it. Marvel Studios only. So we're going to go movie drafts. We're going to snake draft the same way. We're going to go uh, like we did last week with Eternals. So, plain and simple, I'm going to state this very easily so we can break it out for YouTube as its own video, and it starts now. We're doing a movie draft. Everybody's picking four movies from the MCU. 
or shows, WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier are eligible. Marvel Studios only. The audience is going to have two weeks to vote when I am back on the show in two weeks with Aaron, Jenna, and Charlie. We will have tallied the votes. We will see who wins. A crisp high five from <laughs> the audience. And uh, the order of the draft is going to be me, Jenna, Aaron, Charlie. I'm going first because I went last for Eternals. And we're going to snake. So Charlie gets two picks. And then we come back up to me and I go last there. So I'm going to lead us off. And my first movie that I am picking or show is Avengers Infinity War. That is my pick. And Good to know you already in. lost. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Okay. Jenna, you, I have you down to go next. What movie or show? I'm glad you did not pick my first pick, which is Winter Soldier. Captain America, the Winter Soldier was going to be my first pick in one way or another. Good pick. That's a good pick. Aaron. Uh, Since it's a draft, Fontaine Mac, no matter what, Black Panther. Black Panther, solid pick, solid pick. This is a competitive game already. Going in, I messaged Aaron the other day and said, whoever has first pick is going to be a real disadvantage because there's like <laughs> a few top tier Marvel movies. And when you get one and then eight, it's just, that's going to be tough. Because, you know, this middle part is where all the great stuff's going to go. I know exactly what I'm doing. Go ahead, Charlie. Great. So Guardians, for sure. Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Guardians uh, 1. Guardians 1. Guardians of the Galaxy okay. 1. Um, and see... Aaron took Black Panther. Jenna took Winter Soldier. So, Guardians, give me give me Ragnarok. Oh, that's gonna get a lot of votes. That's gonna get a lot of votes. Sheesh. Okay, Aaron, back to you. Aaron, I appreciate that draft day reference, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Being a Browns fan has some perks. Um. Let's think here. Oh, God. Jesus. A lot of my fir- my board has been taken. A lot of my first round selections, you guys have scooped me somewhere. Uh, what's your what's your boy's name? At, uh, BD that does all the fantasy Matthew work. For, it's been Matthew Barry. He's like shaking his fist at me right now because my board wasn't right. Um, let's go. Let's go Avengers. The first Avengers. Great pick. Son of a gun. Great pick. All right, Jenna. Yeah, we need, soldier. we need Roger Goodell just like being booed every single time one of us puts in a pick. Then we would Bring really Jim back on. We can all boo him as the commissioner. <laughs> Nobody boos Jim. Why is Jim so popular? Um, I'm going to go Captain Marvel. That'll be my second pick. Captain Marvel. Solid, solid, solid. All right. I get two picks now. Oof. I need a moment. I need a moment. I need a moment. I have one that I think I'm looking around for inspiration. And y'all are just letting me have easy stuff. You say that. And then when it's going to come back to you, you're going to be like, Oh God, I only have like a handful of options left or something. Mm. We'll we'll see how it gets here. I like your Captain Marvel pick. I like it for quality. I don't know how I like it for internet voting. Because the internet's stand, mean, but I, have I, to I agree with you. My girl Carol, so I'm I, with you on that. Yeah, I, I am Captain going Marvel. with Wandavision. Ah, oh. mm-hmm. great series. It was a moment. It was a it was a pop culture phenomenon moment, and Iron Man. Boom! Those are my picks. All right, Jen, we're back to you. I will go with Guardians Two, since I was going to pick Wandavision, but now that you got that off the board, Guardians Two. Guardians 2 for Jenna. Aaron, you have Black Panther and the Avengers. What are you adding to the roster? Oh, goodness. Um, Let's think here. Oh, no. 
This is so so bad. Um, Jesus. Um, give me Captain America: First Avenger. Oh, see, uh, Aaron, one of my favorites, <laughs> absolute favorite. All right, Charlie, your 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 third pick and your final pick. It is up end is on to you. I mean, we have four, so Endgame. Endgame. That's a, yeah. That was I'll take Endgame my... in the third round. Absolutely. That's a steal. That's a steal. Can't um, put on the board. Both Guardians are off the board. That's um, a Tom Brady pick right there. Just going late. <laughs> I would pick Civil War, but I don't like that movie very much. Um, as Stop, much as everyone else does. Film. Um, I'm just gonna, you know, I have some issues with it, but I'm gonna go Spider-Man: Homecoming. Ah, you son of a! Y'all can just give me the victory now. It's fine. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't pick Dark World because I know you are like V1 Thor, the Dark World defender on He's our also site. Also a good after though. Uh, haven't you is, written is those articles of like how important it is in the MCU? And oh, it's, stuff a, it's like important. I just yeah yeah, it's very I, important. I, I just figured you would stick to your. If we were going through the whole MCU, uh-huh. I would certainly take it. That makes sense, but. Yeah, if we're only getting right. four, yeah. I mean, Endgame and Spider-Man are right there. Aaron, you have Black Panther, the Avengers, and Captain America, the first Avenger. It is to you, my friend. So I'm just going to go for the cheap pop. Give, give me Civil War. Come on, you people are taking all my things. <laughs> have a nice day. Let's go. <laughs> I'm going to have to take a dud just to, well, there's a few good ones. Jenna, what do you got? I told you that number one pick is a tough place to be, man. I know. 16th pick in the in the in the MCU draft is oh tough. Gosh. 15 and 16. You you have Captain America the Winter Soldier, Captain Marvel and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I'm going to take Ant-Man. <laughs> I I I just that movie just is such a delight. I, I don't know. I just can, I, Jim yeah. is so mad right now. <laughs> I, I was going to take Doctor Strange, but uh-huh. spite one. And <laughs> it's very fun to watch the chat. Right the, now. The no, I'm like, dying right now. <laughs> oh, man. I'm like looking through these. Oh, well, now I, I can talk openly about this. I a list of all of them because I'm like half of me is just blanking on most of the movies that are left. So. I'm like, okay, so here's here. Now I can talk openly because nobody can steal it. <laughs> I mean, I have Iron Man 3 on the board. That's a good film. I have Spider-Man Far From Home on the board. Those are, I mean, Ant-Man and the Wasp. The Incredible Hulk. This is tough. This is tough. I f- Which one is going to get the votes, though? You know what I mean? Not Iron Man 3. No. I already have Iron Man. So if I'm trying to get... I, I like Iron Man 3. You know... Avengers Age of Ultron is on the board and Doctor Strange are on the board. See, that's where it's tough like, with the MCU is you have four-ish movies that are like universe. There's not one like like in the sports draft. There's not like a clear-cut top pick in the MCU. There's like four-ish movies that everyone kind of universally agrees on. And then there's a, everything else is kind of there, but they're all controversial in one way or another with certain parts of the fandom. And then there's like a couple at the bottom, but like here's that the thing: whole a lot, of, a lot of the comment section is saying Doctor Strange, which leads me to think I could get a lot of votes from picking Doctor Strange. However, a lot of the comment section too. is yeah. being guided by Jim Viscardi, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't trust any of that. I feel like they're, they're Jim Viscardi like is like the druid of the whole thing. He, he's and being he found, an influencer. He right brought now. together the deviants to take us Doctor out. Doctor Strange or Spider-Man: Far From Home. 
I don't think Far From Home is going to get more votes than Homecoming. I think I'm going to go Falcon with Doctor Strange. Bias. Yeah. If I get Doctor Strange, then all of the multiverse fans are coming to me because I also have WandaVision. So my pick is Doctor Strange. So here are our lists. My team, Team BD, Avengers Infinity War, WandaVision, Iron Man, and Doctor Strange. Jenna's team, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Captain Marvel, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and Ant-Man. Aaron has Black Panther, the Avengers, the first one, Captain America, the first Avenger, and Captain America Civil War. Big Captain America guy down there. <laughs> uh, and Charlie has Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor Ragnarok, Avengers Endgame, and Spider-Man Homecoming. That's a good, that's a strong team, but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I am what's gonna happen, how this is gonna be decided is we're gonna make a graphic for Instagram and a poll on Twitter. We're going to hire an intern to count the <laughs> votes on Instagram and the poll on Twitter is going to count itself. And two weeks from today, we will be back with the results. Maybe we'll have a prize. I don't know. I don't know if we are able to do that, but we'll figure something out. There will definitely be bragging rights involved, especially if Charlie wins. We'll never hear the end of it. I know, Charlie, you want to speak? I know you do. No, I'm, I'm just I'm smiling because my my team is great. I'm, a, I'm, I'm low key worried about Aaron, but. Because I, I love Captain America so much. Yeah. We believe volume two, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Jenna, how are you feeling? I This is a really good matchup. Like, I honestly don't know who's going to win. This is just, I'm very excited to see how everybody else feels about it. The votes are going to be interesting. It's going to be close. Have... I, know, I know who's yeah. not going to win. <laughs> and th- the rest of us are going to be in a really close contest, I, I think. Who, 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 who are you talking about, Charlie? Well, you know it's you. <laughs> Excuse me. I have Infinity War is a better movie than Endgame. Endgame was just more fun to watch in theaters. It the was just a more popular comments movie. about Doctor Strange make me think that Brandon has some sort of chance. So That's I don't right. know. It's, it's, it is not this comment section voting Here, on this. You know, gonna, you know how we're going to end this? We're going to end this with everybody explaining why you should vote for your team. Charlie, you go first. Because it has the best movies. Like that's I think it's universally. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy is is the best MCU movie in terms of film structure, in terms of dialogue, in terms of adventure, like it is, it is a perfect MCU movie. Ragnarok is the funniest MCU movie. I don't think that's really all that debatable. Avengers Endgame is the biggest movie of all time, brings the entire franchise together. Like it is one of the most iconic theatrical moments in history. And then Spider-Man is the first Spider-Man home. Spider-Man Homecoming is the first Spider-Man in the MCU. Tom Holland is incredible. It has Iron Man in it and uh it's a, one of the better villain twists of the mcu that 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 turn at the end with uh with michael keaton is just just perfect there's there's really not you know there's not a a, a weak link in there you know you kind of look at like the uh the, the dream team and uh you know all right we are you got, on you got to mj Aaron. you got <laughs> Pippen, like, there's, everybody's Aaron. in there there's not really a, we are a soft on spot. to Aaron. we gotta wrap this show up Aaron, why are the people voting for Aaron, team Aaron? ta because if you're voting for Team Aaron, we're not watching from the shadows. If put honestly, we can't. We must not. We will work to be an example of how we all can work together to enjoy these movies. Now more than ever, the illusions he of says the vision as he has civil our very war on the existence. roster. We all know the truth. 
The MCU connects us more than separates us. But in times of crisis, the wise build bridges while the foolish build barriers. We must find a way to look after one another as if we were one single tribe. And that's why we welcome you all in the team, Aaron. Well, I just, I just voted for, I think I just voted for Aaron. <laughs> did oh, you have I that was voting for Aaron up? already. Did you have that ready to that, go? Because that was impressive. America's the real deal. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's just T'Challa, baby. That, that's, that, that's the goodness. Yeah. Oh, I know. That was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> how do we compete? Jenna, good luck. Well, I'm like, good I don't luck. know how to follow that. It's like, bra- like, it's like following Braveheart. Like, I don't Aaron, know how to Aaron had to follow. Aaron had to follow the whole Black Knight situation. That's so, yeah. this is payback. Um, I don't know. Like, I, oh, gosh, I don't, I just, these like as some people in the comments have pointed out arguably winter soldier is the best mcu movie i feel like my roster of movies just kind of represent what the mcu is like what the potential of the mcu brings of different things in terms of like on-screen diversity and different terms of like types of style and just more like eclecticness within the mcu i guess that would be my argument okay all right well i'm gonna tell you why you need to vote for me everybody wants a happy ending right it doesn't always roll that way. Maybe this time, I'm hoping if you vote for Team BD, it's in celebration. I hope families are reunited. I hope we get it back in somewhat like a normal version of the planet has been restored if there ever was such a thing. And guess what? Avengers Infinity War. Wait, where's my team? <laughs> Avengers Infinity War, WandaVision, Iron Man, Doctor Strange. Come on. Come on. Let's go. This is such a... We have Avengers Infinity War, which is the best Avengers movie ever. Ever. Hands down, amazing film. Left you, couldn't even speak at the end of it. If you could, you're a sociopath. Okay, I said it. That, if you, you don't feel anything, if you, don't, if you were able to just walk out of Infinity War not feeling anything, I mean, half the universe died. WandaVision, which was like the best shared viewing experience, the first Disney Plus show. It was the start of phase four. That's a huge deal. Nothing bigger right now, uh, except for maybe Iron Man, which started the whole thing, started phase all the start of the MC, whether you love Tony Stark or hate him, the, the, the Iron Man movie started it all. And Doctor Strange, the, the comment section's appointed champion, <laughs> this important character going forward. You got to see his origin. You got the ancient one, Tilda Swinton. Come on, that moment where Tilda Swinton freezes time just to make a second last longer. Beautiful. Great job, Scott Derrickson. Would have loved to see what you could have done with you, but all we have is meeting one. the Viscardi Vendetta squad <laughs> to get him to the win. Is like, listen, I have the Avengers Infinity War fans, I got the Wanda stands, I got the Strange fans, and I got Iron Man. All right, what a great team! Go ahead, you could, you could, you could, the comment section can leave their votes now. It's all going to be on the polls. All right, all right, we accept mail ins here somehow. If you want to mail in your ballots, we'll figure that out. All right, great show today, everybody. I talk too much at the end of every show, it's it wouldn't be a phase year if I didn't ramble at the end. Uh, thank you all for your Eternals uh, lessons. That was great. I think we need to do stuff like this more often. thought that was awesome. Uh, and uh, I thought it was a fun show. Anybody want to add anything before we wrap up? Yeah, this was a lot of fun. We definitely should do this more because I, I like our weird TED Talk version of just the MCU. So, um, But yeah, find me on Twitter at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn or basically anywhere. Same handle. Love it. Aaron, where can we find you? That's at some late Hornet on Twitter. You can uh, yell at me about my selections or root us on. It's going to be fun to see what everybody picks, you know? I love it. Charlie, where can we find you? What do you got? 
at Charlie Ridgely. Just be sure to get on on Twitter, Instagram the next two weeks and vote for a uh, vote for Team Choo Choo. We're just we're taking <laughs> we're taking this train all the way to victory, baby. That's all. That's all I I'll got say this: say. a vote for Team BD is a vote for Lil Icky. <laughs> all right, that's today's show. Find me at Brandon Davis BD. Please share our podcast with your friends so we can do this uh, forever. And uh, maybe we'll move to Wednesdays when Loki starts out. That's a great show today, everybody. Follow the Twitch channel, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends. That's all we got. We'll see you next Friday. Have a great weekend. Later.